Real Whiskey Real presents Judgment Day. Listener discretion is advised. The podcast that you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed are merely for comedy purposes. This is your Judgment Day. We all go a little mad sometimes. What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Well, I guess we're doing this again. It's another Judgment Day. In this podcast, I invite one of my loveliest friends to inform them that today is, in fact, the end of times. They have shuffled off this mortal coil, and it's up to me to decide whether or not they ascend to paradise or burn forever in a lake of fire. What no one knew is that God is actually a total cinephile, and I, Bobbeth Van Noys, have been chosen to ask a series of 12 questions about the movies that meant the most to them. Their taste in films will be the ultimate test determining their eternal fate. You guys, today I'm joined by someone really special. This is exciting. Actually, we're going to become best friends today. That's the plan. I am joined today by Wesley D. Stein. You guys might know him from Big Around Town. He is a local comedian. He is a writer. He's a father, entrepreneur. Yeah. He's just a man about town. Just all around good guy. I think all around good guy. You're <laughs> a good kidding. guy. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Great to be here. No, yo, you're, this is fantastic. I'm really glad that you reached out to me. Um, mm-hmm. You're a person that I feel like I probably should have collaborated with yep. before now, honestly. Yep. For but. sure, same. And I reached out to you because it's holiday season and I try to sell books around this time of year. Absolutely. And so any any promo chance I can get on the air and tell people about my stupid stuff that I write, then I try to take advantage of that. But I actually listened to this and was I'm really digging the format and style. Well, so. good. I'm yeah. glad. When I first got divorced, you know, I would talk to my kids over FaceTime, you know, like once a week. Yeah. And if you get on the phone with your kids, any parent will relate to this. If you get on the phone with your kids and you say, like, how's it going? Like, tell me about your life and like, who are you dating? You get nothing, right? Like, you get absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. One word answers, you know. But if I get them on the phone and I say, what are you guys binge watching right now? Oh, yeah. Right? And they go, oh, I'm into euphoria. And like, Dylan came over last night. And I'm like, who's Dylan? And like, what's her pronouns or his pronouns? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just a way to like, it's a way to like get into their lives yep. without, because they won't tell me just information about as like Trojan horsing the information. And that's, that's what I think you're doing. I think you just want to have friends. And I think you're using the, like, what's your favorite movie as like a, as a Trojan horse to learn about people? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a clear jumping off point. It's a great jumping off point. What, it, what are you binging is actually <laughs> such a fucking real right? question. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. It's a, it's a gateway question. Yeah. It opens a lot of things. And, and your questions about these movies, this is why I like this, because those are all gateway questions. And I'm, I'm going to tell, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of my answers are going to be very honest and raw and revealing. Love it. And I hope it's not offensive or anything to your listeners. I know you have a big Mormon audience in your listenership. I have a, <laughs> I have a bigger Mormon audience than you would think. <laughs> I, that is but, not untrue. But I'm excited about that part of it, about no, the vulnerability, the honesty, the raw. Because like, movies for me are so important in my life. It's, it's impossible to talk about them and not be super real and honest and vulnerable. And it's, so it's a very hard kind of thing to come in here and do. And the fact that you've created this environment where I feel safe and I feel like I can, 
share it in that way is really cool. And, and it's a great format because, like I said, if you just asked me, like, tell me about your life, it'd be like, meh, 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 and well, that alone makes me way more excited. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. Well, tell me, you say that movies are important to you. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, what is your background with film? What What made you yeah. fall in love with movies? Yeah, I mean, since since I'm a kid, you know, movies have been important, and then my relationship to them kind of changed throughout the years as I got older and started to you know get involved with acting and filmmaking and things like that you know yeah. and and you know I grew up in the 90s and like went to went to college in like 2000 so it was the Tarantino Robbie Rodriguez like indie film movement 100% which we were all a part of you know from an outsider perspective like we we wanted to be those guys and we were the snobs who you know talked about just like you probably did you know yeah. and and wrote scripts and made indie films and took our parents VHS camcorders out in the woods and you know like we were doing all that shit 100% so over time, you know, when you get more cynical and old and realize the world isn't going to like bow down and give you everything you want, as we sort of kind of had to start finding out different ways to express ourselves. And, and yeah. um, movies are expensive, you know, and I wrote like a hundred scripts and realized like I'm never going to sell a single one. So I moved to writing books and novels and yeah. and then and then occasionally I'll go back and write another script or a screenplay or a teleplay or something. Did you do any schooling, acting classes? I did a few. Did yeah, yeah. A little bit of like improv classes, a little bit of acting classes. I went to a um, thing right out of high school. And to be honest, like I got married right out of high school to my high school girlfriend yeah. uh, at age 20 and 19. And had kids a couple years later. And so I was like real into the family life very early on when most of my friends were like doing ecstasy and having fun in college. I was like paying bills and shit. Yeah. So I always kind of thought if I had it to do over again, especially knowing that I would have gotten divorced. We had a great marriage and a great divorce. It's fine. But I think had I to do over again, I probably should have just gone to Los Angeles when I got out of high school. I actually was listening to a a sports podcast this morning, which... Oddly enough, I, I listen to almost every morning. Mm-hmm. And there's this gentleman by the name of Mike Florio. He's a mm-hmm. he was an attorney mm-hmm. like for thirty years. Yeah, that's right. Or NFL, twenty years, something like, like that. The, he started the NFL and talk he, or whatever. Yeah, he just decided I don't want to be a fucking attorney anymore. <laughs> what I really like doing is talking football. So twenty one years ago, yeah, he starts that little tiny website. Yeah, and now the guy's like on every network. <laughs> fucking like podcast every week he's on sky sports in london talking football you know what i mean like it's become like an empire and he was talking about it because today was the 21st anniversary of that website wow and he's like you know what i just figured out find something that you're eh, pretty okay at yeah work your ass off yeah focus on that and I guarantee you'll be successful. Absolutely. And he was 100% right. Absolutely. And, and if you're and like, he was passionate about the NFL and he was passionate about football. So he knew that he could, he could grind through that days of attrition where nobody was coming to the website. Nobody was listening. You have to be passionate about what you're doing so that you can withstand those days in the desert. And, um, that's my problem, man. I, I'm so I'm passionate about so many things and I do see things through. I mean, I'm a finisher. I mean, I'm a, I'm a doer for sure, but the problem is like soon as I do it, I'm done. And it's like I'm on to the next thing and on I'll never think thing. about it again. And I don't want to talk about it. I mean, even promoting books is hard because it's like as soon as I'm done with it and put it out, I don't want to ever think about it again. I think uh and I'm similar. Mm-hmm. I think the word is dilettante. Yeah. We're just <laughs> yeah. an inch deep into everything. Yes. <laughs> but yes. they don't ever actually focus on one thing and make it hundred percent. But that's that's also the sign of 
active minds. Yeah, I people think so. that are always like, man, this I want to do this though. This is stimulating. This makes me I fascinated. Think so. And I this think that's why me, we yeah. like film so much because it does combine every single one of those things. Love it's, it. It's the music. It's the acting. It's the it's the visuals. You know, the um, the production design. The you know, there's so much of that for me that is so stimulating and so rewarding. Mostly the writing. Mostly the dialogue. Mostly like the wordplay. The 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 crafting of the script. Um, I put that above even even the the production itself right um because i can i can actually like just read a script and really enjoy it i don't have to even see the movie i can actually just read a script and think it's a damn good script or weep or laugh or whatever it is just reading it and uh and when which by the way is a job description being able to do that sure you could make a career out of reading people's scripts being a reader for sure. And then same, like if I'm watching TV, I saw a meme the other day on Twitter that said, tell me you're a, a writer without telling me you're a writer. Or tell me you're a screenwriter without telling me you're a screenwriter. And I said, I always have the subtitles on when I'm watching a movie. Right. Because I want to see the dialogue so that I can hear how the actors are saying it. But I want to see it written yeah. as I hear them say it. Because sometimes an actor is so good that you kind of forget that they're reading a script. You're just watching them. And you're just watching them and you're into it. So by having the, di- having the subtitles on, I can always remember... Oh, no, they had to learn those lines. 100%. Somebody wrote that shit for them. And I know Meryl Streep just makes it look like she's thinking of saying that, but she's not. No. Somebody wrote that for her. Well, it's she's amazing. pretty good. No, she's <laughs> amazing. She makes it seem like nobody wrote it. But as a writer, like that's that's the most rewarding thing in the world. I, I wrote a little short play for um, this little thing they did at the Durango Arts Center oh, yeah. for like yeah. uh, the postcards. And it was like Ted Holtine was on. It was him and another actor who was like, Doing this little, it was just a little two-hander I wrote, maybe 10 minutes long. But to see them act out those words and get laughs, I was like, oh, my God, I could literally die right now. And yeah. be totally fine. It was so rewarding. Same with, like... Um, I think Blake actually did the same thing. Oh, did he? So the owner of Cloud City, where we're at right now recording, uh-huh. he's an author. And, yeah, he did... He and his uh, his partner both uh, did a little vignette. Right. That's part of that were. writing sure. group. Yeah, really cool. You know, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I, I really love writing and I had a really good 2020 because of the pandemic, you know, kind of forced the lockdown kind of forced me into the office to just write. Yeah. And I was able to get a novel done and I was able to get in some other th- like just being more active in that in right. that industry, in that community. I was I got in a, an anthology series and um, I actually sold a little um, uh, uh, teleplay. There, uh, I had an agent at the time for, for acting down in uh, uh, Albuquerque. And he basically, because of the lockdown, like nothing was getting made. Right. No, no actors had any jobs. So he, he, he put together a little team that were going to produce, try to produce something during the pandemic. And so he was looking for a, a script uh, to do. So I had written this like little, uh, like a TV show, basically pilot and, um, and sent that to him. I was like, what about this? And he said, yes, perfect. Yeah. And so, um, and so, yeah, so I, that's the only thing I've ever like had option to, to, to get made into something. Um, and of course it didn't go, but All right. I feel like we should get to the question. I'm, no, I'm just talking my ass off. Yeah, I love talking. You're going to kick me out of here. This is going to be the only episode where you like don't air it. Cause yeah. you're like, it's too long. Conversation is actually the goal. <laughs> On Judgment Day? That's a good point. <laughs> All right, fair All enough. All right, Wesley D. Stein. Mm-hmm. Question the first, and we start with the basics. What is the first film that you remember seeing? I love this. This is My my interview is going to be very sexual, just so you know. Oh, bring it on. My first movie that I remember, I mean, I can give you some answers about VHS, and it's probably Rocky or NeverEnding Story or something from my childhood. I was born in 79. 
But I wanted I wanted my answer to be the first movie I saw in the movie theater. Okay. Because it's my first movie theater experience, and it was my my parents. God bless them. They weren't super amazing parents. <laughs> God, they did the best they could. Of course. But um, but I think they wanted to have a date night, and they just couldn't find a babysitter, <laughs> so they went to see Blind Date, a movie with Bruce Willis. <gasps> okay. And I think his first leading role, if I'm not mistaken. It was right after Moonlighting. I think okay. it was his first cinematic role. Kind of so, coming out of Moonlighting. It's a Blake Edwards. <laughs> That's right. Blake Edwards film. I'm so glad you know that. Um, <laughs> Kim I just, Basinger. And Kim Basinger, right. So I remember seeing like Kim Basinger's boobs. I was probably like seven or eight. I don't know what year the movie mm-hmm. came out, but I remember like, I remember it being sexual for sure. And I remember thinking, I don't think I should be here. And I know it's rated R because I looked that up. And so here's the, here's the revealing part. So... A few weeks before this movie theater experience, okay, so I'm like, I think I'm like eight at the time, okay, and my older sister, who's probably 11 or 12, she comes over with her friend from the neighborhood who's like 12 or 13, she takes me into the closet, pulls my little pants down, puts my little penis inside of her. Oh my goodness. Well, right, and she had, took her shirt off and the whole. So, like, I have this sexual experience when I'm like eight years old. That's pretty traumatic. Super traumatic. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for saying that. Scarring. Scarring. Right. So I'm. I, have, I do therapy about this. <laughs> and this is one of many experiences that are going to happen. Yeah. Okay. But this is the first one in, in my childhood. And I remember. So fast forward. So I'm. So I'm seeing this. I'm sitting in this theater watching Blind Date, and I think. Oh my God, like that's what that girl was doing to me in the closet. Right. I, we fucked. Like I just, it dawned on me, like we fucked. Yeah. Like I, I'm not, like it was weird, like I'm not a virgin anymore. Yeah. But it wasn't having sex that made me realize that. It was watching Bruce Willis and Kim Basinger that made me realize that, that I'm now like them. I'm like, <laughs> you're, <laughs> yeah. And so my therapist says my hypersexuality stems from my early childhood sexual experiences. I, yeah. And many of these answers that you're going to hear today when we get That's into fine. the sexy ones, you're going to. Uh, so it's great to have the blind date um, reference point for the future because you're going to be like, oh, well, yeah, that is all of your sexual trauma, notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. And a fucking funny movie that oh. uh, not a lot of people saw. I don't remember the movie that much. I'll it's be honest. Hilarious. Is it really? Yeah. John Larroquette. I think it was actually his, <laughs> one of his first movie roles after night court. Sure. As the jealous boyfriend that was chasing them around all night. Blake yeah. Edwards being Blake Edwards. He had his own sensibilities. That's right. It's a fucking funny movie, man. I need like, to, I need to go back and rewatch it, but, you I, really but I don't, I think I should do but that. Also with MDR. I was about to say, <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you're prepared. Yeah, I'll do it with my counselor. We'll have a movie, some movie night. That'd be fucking amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great. That's a fucking amazing answer. Yeah. Honestly, blind date. Blind yeah. date. I've seen that movie a hundred times. Probably. Have you really? That's so cool, man. Yeah. What is it like? 1987, oh, yeah. 88. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway. Bruce Willis does some actual fucking amazing physical comedy in that movie that's cool didn't even know he had that in the tool bag but. that was the ridgely theater in fort worth texas and and i fell in love with movies man i fell yeah. in love on them like to this day if i walk into a movie theater i get chills like i smell the popcorn right. and it's just like there's something about it man i just i love the movies it's my number one favorite thing to do i love that me too yeah. i'm the exact same way. do you like going by yourself all the time. I do too. And I don't just go, if I go by myself, I'm going to make a Sunday of it and I'm going to go see three or four movies. I'm not just going to yeah. go to see one. If I'm by myself, like I'm by myself, like, I'm going to take advantage of this, especially yeah. when I was married and had kids. And then you got to remember with kids, 
I literally had a 10 or 15 year period where I didn't get to see anything except animated movies. Yeah, 100%. And then if you want to see something on your own, you, it's late night. It's like you got to watch it on VHS. You're watching fucking DVD. Cars too. Yeah, it's just all, it's yeah. a nightmare. And luckily, my ex was really nice and cool and like able to share my sensibilities. And our children have very good taste in movies. I brought a um, thing for you later we're going to talk about because my son, my youngest, is a real cinephile. Both of them think really critically about movies and books and art. But my youngest son is an extreme cinephile and snob. He reminds me of you, actually. Okay. He can remember every person, every, you know, wow. and that kind of thing. And he just, and he just, he's real snobby about it. He's, um, he always has an opinion. I love going to the movies with him because as soon as we walk out the doors, he starts talking and he just won't shut up about it for, an, it's, just, it's amazing. Sounds about right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a, he and I's relationship around movies is real important because I was able to somewhat pass it down, but it's, you only do that so that you can have something to chat with him about, right? It's right. not like I'm trying to influence him. He sounds like a great kid. He is, yeah. He's a cool dude. I think one of the first papers I ever wrote in my scholastic career, I was probably eight years old, mm-hmm. and it was about how much I hated E.T. <laughs> and it was just breaking down Fuck E.T., yes. like why I fucking hated this movie. Yes. And I was a little kid. Thank like, you. Why didn't I like E.T.? I didn't like it either. I honestly, it there were several movies that all of my friends liked that I that I just could not. Stay, I didn't get. And I maybe some of them were I was maybe a little bit too young. But I had like an older brother and older sister. Yeah. But like I just never got into them. I never either never saw them all the way through or just didn't like them. I just thought E.T. was stupid. So both of your siblings are older. Yeah. How how much? Five and four years older. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah. Mine were a little bit like my brother and sister. My brother was nine years older than oh, me. Oh wow. And then my sister is about eight years, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Well, that's and, a good chunk. Yeah. Obviously, I was quite the mistake. But yeah, growing up, going to movies with them, as they were so much fucking older than me. Same, you know yeah. what I mean? It was crazy. I saw some shit I definitely should not have seen. Same. Oh, yeah. My brother 100%. tried intentionally to traumatize me by showing me horror films or Clockwork Orange or whatever when I was like really young and just being like, watch this. You know, and I'm like, why are you trying to fuck me up? But it's an older brother thing. He would sit on the beanbag with me underneath it yeah. to see how long I could hold my breath. And well, then- check out this segue. <laughs> <laughs> Lay it on me. <laughs> Question of the second, Wesley Stein. Uh-huh. What is the movie that scared you the most? Oh, man. This was actually such a hard question. This was actually my hardest one because because horror genre as a genre is not my favorite, but I love it as a vehicle for, for burgeoning filmmakers. I think if you don't have any money and you're trying to make movies, I think horror is a great place to start. If you're if you're. If your plan, if your goal as a filmmaker is to tell a story with a beginning and a middle and an end, which really should be your plan initially if you're going to make your first movie, I think horror is a really good place to start because it's the cheapest way to tell a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. I mean, you could go down the list. I mean, Sam Raimi, Peter Jackson, John Sayles. Yep. Uh, Fetty Alvarez, Carpenter, I mean, Carpenter, obviously, on I mean, and on. Yeah, just they so, had no money. <laughs> they had no money, so they made what they could make. Yeah, with their buddies. Yep, having a great time. But next thing you know, they're directing Spider Man Two. That's right. And Lord of the Rings. That's and, right. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You're yeah, hundred. I totally understand what you're so saying. So from a so from a filmmaking standpoint, I really appreciate the the genre. But just to watch it, I, it's hard for me to get super into it unless it's just like some real culty um fun shit um so i was gonna say this i was gonna say the scariest this the scariest stuff to me is like the realistic stuff okay and it kind of goes beyond the horror genre more into the thriller 
thing. Yeah, Thrillers 100%. are way like so for me. My, one of my answers is going to be Elephant, the Gus Van Sant movie. Holy shit, that is a fucked up right? movie because you know it's about a school shooting, so yeah. you know. So sort of like from the first minute of that film, you think, well, somebody's about to walk in here and shoot up this school. Yeah. So for so for the next hundred and thirty minutes or whatever it is, hundred and two minutes, you're you're wondering when that's going to happen. It's in a sense, uh, right? It's anticipated trauma. You know that you're about to be traumatized, <laughs> yes. which is horrifying. It's worse than the trauma. It I mean, is. in a sense, he it doesn't is. show you. He doesn't nope. show you like kids' heads getting blown off. Nope. It's the buildup. Yep. Like you said, the anticipating that it just racks my nerves. I cannot it's, take it. It's so not, scary. And that's it, a great it answer. Makes you're me want to weep. You're not wrong. And then same with like, if you look at like the political situation, like you could watch something like, you know, whatever, like Vice or like uh, oh yeah. the, those kind of movies, and the one about the um, Wall Street collapse, too big to fail. Or what, you could watch those and be terrified. You know, um, so- I had one answer to this question that was uh, idiocracy, which I'm like. <laughs> It's you know what? Into. You're right. That is terrifying, <laughs> terrifying because we're literally watching that happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, Gus no. Van Sant. Gus Van Sant's yeah. such a fabulous filmmaker. He is I amazing. Fell in love with him early. Yep. Uh, drugstore Cowboy and. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, oh, the one with Keanu and River Phoenix. That's uh, right. My own private Idaho. My own private Idaho. When I, I, when I discovered him through Good Will Hunting, like most people did, yeah. then you like go back and retroactively find those yep. private Idaho and things like that. And then, and then you kind of follow him moving forward. And then, and then of course, like as a, as an aspiring filmmaker back in the day, I would like watch those behind the scenes things. And I would actually like really appreciate his style, like his personality, the way he's so quiet and demure yes. and like, you know, like, Every director has their own style, but I think I would take something from every little person. And you need a little bit of that, like contemplative, like Gus Van Sant. Sure. <laughs> and you, every director needs a little bit of that. Um, so yeah, he's he's great. No, that's a. I love that answer. I love that answer a lot. Question of the third, Wesley D. Stein. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep saying that. I like that. I like the way you say it. This is one of my favorite questions. What so-called bad movie? And you can define that however you want. Yeah. But something that's not critically acclaimed or that people necessarily love, but you actually think it's brilliant. Yeah, this one's a tough one too. But I, I I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Spike Jones' Where the Wild Things Are. Mm. It, it did like a seventy something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think critics kind of liked it, but it I think it bombed. You know, in it the box bombed. office because because parents couldn't take their kids to go see this what they thought was going to be a you know so much of it is just marketing and and how's it played to families and kids and whatever this is a big thing about furry creatures yeah you would think you could take your eight-year-old now it's really more for like your 16 year old it is and for me a child who grew up with add adhd trauma trauma all that kind of stuff that movie made me weep like from start to finish it just made me ball like a baby not to mention like Catherine keener is a national treasure she's and yes. and her relationship with that boy and the fact that he, he he was just me like i just related to that kid so much and um and those monsters god damn they represent so much you know what i mean they do. and i think it's the kind of movie for every person to watch it has a different meaning for them right. and what what are those monsters and what are those demons you're going to face yep. out in the woods and that I kind think of thing little kids could read that I mean I remember reading those books when mm-hmm. I was a kid and thinking well I love these pictures yeah. I love how this looked but yeah. then it yeah it was in my adolescence I was like oh this is not this is not kid stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of Never Ending Story. I mean, I heard you talking with, with someone, a previous guest, about that, about childhood depression. Yeah. And and uh, and that kind of resonated with me, too, because it's like, look, you know, the movies, 
are for everyone, right? Like if a director sits down, he's not thinking about the audience to the to the degree of what they're eight. I mean, people are going to see it. Kids are going to see it. Right. Teenagers are going to see it. Um, well, if you're successfully writing, you're writing, you're writing your story. You're not yeah. creating a vehicle <laughs> That's for right. the audience. You're writing, just putting right. down your story. This you're, is the story I want to tell. And the more and the more personal it is. The more specific and personal it is to you, the broader the reach. That's what people don't realize. I learned that in comedy. The, if you try to do a if you try to do a really broad joke that you think everyone's gonna love, no one loves it. Yeah. But if you do a really specific joke that is really specific to you and you're and very personal and very very like the more personal and in in inner you can make it, the broader the reach. Like it's the total opposite of what you would think. Hundred percent. But that's what the great directors do is they they make the movie they really want to see. They make the movie they really want to make. And if they can keep the fucking executives out of the way and make sure the money works and like really keep their vision from start to finish, then you get a great movie. It's kind of my definition of perfect filmmaking is what did you set out to make and what how much of that did you accomplish? I mean, that's right. It's not like I mean, you can make Shaun of the Dead, right? Right. That's no one's going to call that a perfect movie, but. It is a fucking perfect that's right. movie. It's a movie they made. That's that why. That's exactly why. Dude, where's my car? Is not the worst movie ever made. No. because that's the movie they kind of wanted to make. It was a it's shitty movie. Exactly what they wanted to make. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to give them points. Yeah. Okay. I I, I get that. Yeah. It's like the Super Troopers syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't like that movie, but I get that they. That's it's what just, they, that's what they were trying to do. It's being it's being themselves, and that's all you can ask. Hundred percent. Because then I can choose whether to see it or not. If you're being something you're not, how am I supposed to decide? Like, just be be what you're going to be. 100%. Another great answer. We're doing okay. <laughs> I like this one. This is also another toughie. Yeah. People struggle with. Question the fourth. Mm-hmm. What movie character do you best identify with? Love this question. This is actually my easiest one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh. The Wes Anderson movie. Okay. First of all, I fucking love oh, that movie. Thank God. Because <laughs> it literally is probably the most important movie in my life. This movie. Ooh, go on. This movie, it. it it sums up my personality. Okay. I relate to all the characters. The main character, Mr. Fox, voiced by George Clooney, which, mm. by the way, if you haven't seen Fantastic Mr. Fox, it is Please. a stop motion animation. Please do. It's one of Wes Anderson's best movies. It's got George Clooney, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. I mean, all the great Wes Anderson actors. I mean, uh, 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 Homeboy from Rushmore, yep. what's his name, is in Jason there. Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. It's just a great film. The dialogue's amazing. And it's not. You know, sometimes Wes Anderson movies can drag, right? They have that little bit of drag where, okay, we get it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now that the now that the visuals have worn off and whatever, it's like sometimes they can drag. This one doesn't. It's it's a solid story from beginning to end. The Raul Dahl element stays intact kind of all the way through and the, the feel right. of that. The whole point of the character is that he, he has this line that he says to his wife at one point in the third act turn where he says, you know, because she's basically like, you're, you're, jeopardi- you're about to kill us all because you – you're really good at stealing chickens basically, but you suck at everything else. And his response is like, he says, he basically says, I, I have to be amazing and fantastic and intimate and slightly intimidating. He says all the time, or I don't feel good about myself. I want people to fall in love with me. I want people to be swooning over me all the time. I don't feel good about myself. Those childhood traumatic experiences forged in me this incredible insecurity i mean incredible to be as hot and sexy as i am and to be this insecure is a fucking travesty but that's what trauma does right so 
it's way worse for somebody who's attractive. I'm just calling myself attractive, but no, I don't I know, care. It's fine. Because you shouldn't be insecure. Man. Thank you. I appreciate that, Bobby. <laughs> but but you shouldn't be insecure, right? So 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 I don't really get a pass from society. I don't get any no. I don't get any kind of like sympathy or any kind of like, oh, he must be insecure, right? No, no one they just think asshole, right? <laughs> asshole, <laughs> fucking asshole. But what I want to say is like, no, 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 I feel shitty about myself. And I'm only acting this way so that you will think I'm amazing, so that I won't feel so shitty about myself. So yeah, that's that character is that. I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> I do not disagree whatsoever. I identify with that character myself on some level. Uh-huh. I have been known to seek out validation by sleeping with women and yeah. just proving that I can, yeah. even when I don't want to, those kind of things. I get sure. it. You know, um, yeah, validation. And and it goes way beyond part. that for me because it's. It's not enough for me to just yeah. to be there. Like I gotta be the greatest, and it sucks, man. It sucks. But over over time, and with counseling and therapy, and a lot of EMDR, and like re reprogramming this mm-hmm. stupid brain of mine, like it's helped. It's helped, and that awareness. It just having the awareness of, like uh, Brooke mentioned Eckhart Tolle, and like some of those kind of because I'm like yeah. Jim, I'm kind of a Jim Carrey kind of character in a sense because that self awareness can be a gift and it can be a burden. It can be a curse, right? Right. And it used to be a major curse, but now it's like, ah, you know, let's lean into this. Let's just be who we are. I think I've heard him actually say that his over-the-top persona, Yeah. and I, I obviously I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the quote, but he said that I need people to stare at me so that they can't see me. Mm. You know what I mean? And I was mm. like, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. He's just like. When you have a, when you have a, I've heard somebody say this before who had an early childhood, uh, molested as a child. He said that it feels like, it's like having your face burned off because you lose your identity. Yeah. And that is so 100% true. So when I was in like, by the time I was in like fourth or fifth grade, I, I had no, I, I didn't know who I was. I would literally look in a mirror and not see a reflection yeah. Yeah. because I, there was no, my eyes couldn't see what my brain couldn't comprehend, right? right. So it, it was crazy times. Uh, I don't want to get too emotional about this, but like the, those those are the experiences where I run to movies. Like when I saw Never Ending Story, for example, yeah. I was probably five or six years old. And I, I grew up in a really tough house, a tough environment, really poor trailer park of North Central Texas kind of thing. And those were my escape. And I was the kind of kid where when I would see that movie, I would immediately, when it was done, the credits were rolling, I'd immediately run into the backyard and I was in character. I'm playing that role. I'm doing all the things. If it was Rocky, I'm outside punching a punching homemade punching bag. If it's you know Rambo, I'm tying a tie around my head. Like sure. whatever it was that I was into, I immediately went outside and reenacted it. And like it was my escape, it was my little dream world, um, to to yeah to like not think about all that bad shit that was going on. Hundred percent. And all and. And that's why this podcast is so cool, because if you really want to get to know somebody, you know, ask them about their movies mm-hmm. if they look because it's such an important part of my life, like it, because it was my medicine or my 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 self, uh, you know, f- from that trauma. Yeah. So if you ask me about movies, like it's going to get kind of sh- shitty in here. It's going to get kind of deep. Yeah, I think it's my favorite vehicle to yeah. to get in with people. Same. Because. It, everyone just starts talking and you're like, oh, I get it. I kind of get who you are. Yeah. And, and when people like, start your quoting. Your favorite movie is Harold and Ma. <laughs> yeah. Do you realize how much you just told me about yourself? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I could write a Wikipedia page yeah, on you now. I get it. Yeah. I understand everything about you. So great. No, I love it. I love this. <laughs> well, this gets, it's going to get better on question the fifth. Yeah. What movie makes you cry? 
every time you fucking yeah. watch it. All of them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I cry. So and also now I'm, because I'm taking these pills to not lose my hair, they're like hormonal treatment. Does that really affect your emotional? Does it? I, I cry in the shower every morning. <laughs> Fucking I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, not really every morning, but yeah, it's a little bit emotional. I, well, I, think I masturbate a, in the shower every morning, hey, and then I cry. I mix my tears with my semen, <laughs> and that's how I style my hair. Uh, I cry max <laughs> every morning. <laughs> oh my god, cry max is my new favorite word. <laughs> and also, I have a question: Do uh, do tears count as lubricant? <laughs> I, no. In fact, it's quite the opposite. <laughs> okay. All right. Good to know. Uh, I'll stop crying on dates. Um, yeah. No. Um, I cry a lot. So so I cry in movies from being inspired. So Ooh, love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I, Go this on. Is such a horrible admission. You're gonna hate me. I'm gonna totally going to hell for this. I cried at a Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger. Okay. Because no one before that movie, I don't think I'd ever seen a period film utilize modern music in the movie like they might have it as part of the soundtrack but not have the characters lip singing we will rock you to queen right in a in a period film yeah and when i saw that in the first two minutes of the intro of the movie like literally the movie's only been playing for like i started i get i got teary-eyed yeah because i thought oh that motherfucker yeah he used queens we will rock you in a period film about jousting god damn it it's fucking beautiful like it just it hit me like when i watched um, Chronicles of Narnia, the first one, it was a terrible movie. But when that when they got on that train and they took off on that train and it came up and it played that beautiful music score and it put up C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, I wept because the book was so important to me. And, the, and I fucking hated the movie from then on out. I wasn't even interested, but I got what I needed out of it yeah. because they made this into a movie. And, and when I saw that, it was just like I was inspired by the project. It wasn't the... It wasn't the art itself yeah. sometimes, or sometimes it is, but it's not the whole movie. It's just like this little thing. It just makes me weak because I think I, that's beautiful. And like, yeah. I, I want that and like, or whatever it is. I don't know. It's just, but I get very emotional about like that part of movies. I love that. I think that's fucking great. I, I'm the same way. Like I watch things that I'm just like, that's the most well-written thing yeah. I've ever Gives fucking you chills. seen. Like Us, the movie Us Ugh. was not as scary. I got chills the whole time through the movie and I keep yeah. thinking like, I, I don't get scared in movies like, but if you can give me chills, like you're doing a pretty fucking good job. Cause they're, yeah. And, and it wasn't the, it wasn't jump scares. It was like realizing his writing. It was, it was the prestige. It was when he would pay off Ooh, yeah. his, his writing. You're right. And I go, Oh God, what fucking amazing writing. Like yeah. it just, it freaked me out. It even gives me chills right now thinking about it because first of all, it's Jordan Peele doing that. Amazing. <laughs> so it just adds to that whole who knew? thing. Right. I know. And that who just knew? goes to fucking show you, dude, that just goes to show you who knew that is the question. Yeah. And stop. I mean, and all these executives need to stop pigeonholing people and stop. Like John Krasinski wrote a great fucking horror movie. Like, fuck yeah. let's everybody just calm down and let people do what they want to do. Let people do what they do. Because if you just get out of the way executives and let the artist make art, I promise you're going to end up making more money. Then if you go in there and start fucking it up and right, instead these guys have to beat the streets. They have to knock on doors. They have to get yeah. people to finance audience their projects, testing and and they're like, well, <laughs> we we think you're more of a yeah yeah yeah. I don't I know it, you're right. It sucks because people are talented. Yeah. Period. And Not, just think of how many people of color in the past in history, how many amazing movies, Bobby, that we weren't able to see that we were robbed of. 
because amazing talented people of color like Jordan Peele weren't given the chance that he was given because it wasn't 2020 yet. Well, <laughs> and so it's, like we just missed out on all that. If you think it in kind of a um, quantum uh-huh. equation, uh-huh. it's infinite. It's infinite. It's That's right. infinite how many movies we didn't get to see by those people. A hundred percent. And when I say those people, I mean that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to be really clear about my phrasing. <laughs> yeah. <but> like, <laughs> Say, yes, by, by, by minorities and overlooked people and people of color and people who traditionally in Hollywood haven't been given it. I was like, oh, well, you're this, so go be that. Uh, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're an Indian or Pakistani, so you can be a cab driver in a movie. But what are you going to write a series? What are you talking about? Right. Go get in your cab. <laughs> but then they would cast Fisher Stevens. As an actual Indian actor in sh- short circuit, you know what I mean? It's like, um, like Aziz like, says, uh, f- real robot, fake Indian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's such a great line. I hate that. <laughs> okay. This might be my toughest question for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but I, it's my favorite. It I is. love this question. Question too. the sixth, Wesley. Uh-huh. Who is your favorite actor? What is their worst film? I think this is the toughest question because favorite actor can mean a lot of different things okay and it's it can mean like you know like i think i think that meryl streep and well i think meryl streep is actually the best actor probably of all time I mean, that's the right and, answer and um yeah. and you know like actor actress i hate that i call everyone an actor and she's better than um daniel day Lowe. she's better than ray fine she, like she's she's the best <laughs> and those guys are good too i mean yeah but i'm just saying like people try to say well she's the best female and then Daniel Day-Lewis is the best male. And I'm like, no, 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 no. She's the best. She's the best let's just, actor. Let's leave the penis out of it. We're not. So when I was like in eighth or ninth grade and I was really into acting and I was really into like trying to, I like, I, so I made a list and my goal was to make a list of like the best actors of all time. Oh, okay. And so I started like as a, just as a thought experiment in like ninth grade, just jotting down actors' names as I would think of them, good actors. And then I would group them into, into groups of like 10 and then I would rank them. Okay. And then I would take like the number one out of each group of 10 and then put those in a group, you know what I mean? And sort of like by process of elimination, kind yeah. of get them down to like a top 10 list. And I believe it was like my end up final list was like Daniel Day-Lewis, Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman. I was real, maybe like Ray Fiennes. I was real into theater at the time yeah, to yeah. keep in mind. So it was a lot of theater actors, like maybe like Tom Wilkinson. And um, I have a Tom Wilkinson story. We'll oh, talk about that later. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, Maggie Smith and... Um, just, you know, so I had this like I mean, nerd, nerd shit, right? Like I was just an acting nerd. Um, and I found that the other day when we were we were cleaning out for the divorce stuff. And I'm like, coming across, you know, going through the old, it's just the fun. It's amazing. And I thought, what a nerd. And like, man, can you imagine like if I'd have pursued that? And I was like breaking down scripts and like at a young age, like, yeah, trying to yeah. trying to get into that business. I fucking love <laughs> so that. So stupid. So if your answer was Meryl Streep, hypothetically. It's not Meryl Streep. Okay. Because I already know her worst movie. Oh, what is it? She Devil. <laughs> I didn't know this. Um, it sounds terrible. It was Roseanne Barr's okay. uh, first film. Yeah. After Got it. being a TV and, and stand up success. I did not know Meryl Streep was in that. It is dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's crazy. Like, it literally. I'm the kind of guy that can find a redeeming quality in a, yeah. lot, of, in a lot of movies. Sure. That movie has zero <laughs> fucking redeeming okay. qualities. Okay, good. Okay, good. That, that Which makes, makes it, it worth a watch. 
I'm hoping because I want to get to my answer it, on this because I okay I will I want to I want to I want to get to my answer because I want to yeah, yeah. hear about if you have redeeming qualities for this guy's worst movie because my my answer is going to be because I don't want to do my fa- I don't want to do who I think is the best actor no and I don't want to do who inspires me as an actor because like I know Favorite. I've heard people answer Jim Carrey I really relate to him yeah. but I don't like his movies and I don't like his characters that he plays mm-hmm. half the time I like him as a person mm-hmm. as an so here's what I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Steve Martin okay because I've go never. On. Because basically every time I see Steve Martin in a movie, I fucking love him. And I got to think about it, and it's like, he's kind of like 99% on his movies, right? Like, there's not that many bad ones. No. And, and even the ones that are bad. So the one I came up with, his word movie, The Big Year with Jack Black. And is that, can we all agree? Yeah, okay. That how did they get Steve Martin to be in that movie? We could talk about that because <laughs> I don't even understand what they were doing. Like it's a bird watching movie. Let's and for the listener if you haven't seen it. Yeah, two thousand eleven, the big year. Why did they make that movie? So do you know the podcast How Did This Get Made? It's a podcast called How yes. Did This Get Made Hilarious. Yes. Jason Matsukas, the, the uh-huh. hilarious improviser. And they literally asked it's a whole podcast about how did this movie fucking get made? Why yeah. did they make a bird watching movie about with Steve Martin and Jack Black maybe and, was in it? Yeah, they took two of the funnier human beings that you'll ever see yeah. and made a movie that was so completely laugh-free. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And there's not even a lot of birds in it. No. Right? There's, I, don't, I, I saw one review, I swear to God, when wow. I was pre- prepping for this, I Such looked at it. Such a great answer. And I saw one review and it said, and it, and it was a positive review, and it said, for, bir- for bird watchers, you're going to love this movie. <laughs> Like they talk about the birds, they they mention specific they, birds. Yes, and like the big year is like about that year when all the birds migrate, and so like there's a lot of birding in it. There is, birding. and so all the positive reviews were from birders saying, finally, there's a birding movie. Finally, <laughs> the birding movie we've all been waiting for at long last. <laughs> yeah, audiences <laughs> have been demanding it for a long time. Steve Martin Ooh. is brilliant, and when you think about his career, you think about Roxanne, you think about Ugh. Father of the Bride, Three Amigos on and on and and then okay now set all that aside and then add to that he's the greatest one of the greatest stand-up comedians to ever live so he's got that on top of that so imagine like imagine if richard pryor had had the film career that steve martin had that's basically what we've got going on here richard pryor probably would have had the career steve martin had had he been white (laughs) but that's actually probably (laughs) right but but um Richard Pryor is my favorite stand-up comedian of all time. I, I would literally give him a blowjob if he walked in here right now, even if he was dead walking in here right now. Um, love Richard Pryor. Um, we'll get to that in a minute because I yeah. was going to ask me about funny oh, movies. Good. But anyway, uh, uh, so Steve Martin, The Big Year, that's my answer. That is a fucking fantastic answer. <laughs> I mean, I would argue that he's made... No, I mean, he's first, made you're, you're 100%. He right. was in Little Shop of Horrors. He's amazing. In he's that. amazing. He's I love so many good movies. The problem with Steve Martin films is when they're bad, it is the most heartbreaking, <laughs> disappointing fucking thing. Because so it's like, I, I grew up with that man. I love him so much. Yep. L.A. Story, which he wrote and directed. Oh, yeah. mm. Fabulous fucking movie that no one's ever seen. I don't think I've seen that. I'm aware um, of it, but I don't think I've actually watched it. A Man that with movie. Two Brains. Not a good movie. <laughs> also, one of my favorite fucking movies to watch <laughs> yes. ever. Yeah, it it's is a fun hysterically watch. fucking funny. Um, no, I love the man. I love Three Amigos. I love Parenthood. Uh, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. Is, oh my God. I think we just that movie makes me cry just thinking about it right now. I'm gonna watch it. It's almost Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna cry watching yeah. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles very soon. 
Yeah. Hundred percent. That's a great answer. I think Steve Martin is a, an inspired. And answer. he's not that great of an actor. It's not like he's an Oscar-winning actor, but bad he's actor though. But he's not bad, and he no. he can show emotion. He can he can, you know, he can run the gamut that you need yeah. you need him to do. He, he can do the jobs you need him to do. In an he was in a David Mamet film, which is a challenge. That's a hard thing to do. But Especially if you're and the Spanish Prisoner is not one of David Mamet's best films, but mm-hmm. Steve Martin is kind of fucking exquisite in it. Spanish Prisoner? Yeah. See, I'm taking notes. Uh, that's one of the ones I need to... Yeah, that is a really interesting movie. Uh, Campbell Scott, Rebecca Pitchin, who is in all of David Mamet's films. Yep. I think they were married for a time. but huh. um, Yeah, great watch. Um, like I say, not an amazing movie, but it's such an interesting performance. <laughs> by a, it, it could not be less Steve Martin. Oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? I'm really cool. watch it. Really um, cool. I'm going to grab a beer real quick while you tell Grab a beer because I'm going to do a little call to action. Guys, I want you to reach out to the Whiskey Reel and Whiskey Reel Judgment Day at 970-426-5344. That number again is 970-426-5344. I like voicemails. I like text messages. We love reviews. If you go on to Apple Podcasts and throw us a five star, that helps everyone find the podcast. It makes it easier for people to listen. Also, if you want to do a little long form feedback, send me an email, whiskeyreel at gmail.com. I promise I will probably read it. So, Wesley, you're back. Mm -hmm. I feel bad about this next question, but because of the way this podcast is going, I'm so fucking fascinated by it. Yeah. Uh, Question the seventh. What film do you find to be the sexiest? Thank you for your question. I really appreciate it, Bobby. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, I like this question because I'm the guy who believes there's two kinds of people in the world, two kinds of guys in the world. There's good perverts and there's bad perverts. I'm a, I'm a good pervert. Okay, I believe you're a good pervert. Okay, we're like good perverts of the East, <laughs> but you can also have like like you, you can also have like bad perverts, like That's wicked great, perverts of the West. Line. So like. A good, like an example is like, are you a Joe Rogan, like bad pervert? Or are you Ugh. like a Dax Shepard, like good pervert? In other words, huh. are you are you like secretly thinking about raping somebody? Or do you just tell a girl she has nice boobs? So it's like, I, I'm overtly sexual. I am, um, I don't hide behind anything. And I, and I kind of like just say what is on my mind yeah. when it comes to that stuff. For the most part, I think people appreciate that because you can see me coming. <laughs> it's, right? It's like, it's, it's, I'm not. Not going to touch that. But. I'm not a threat. I'm not a threat. <laughs> oh, no, I see what you're saying. So it's yeah, like yeah. you can just see it coming. You can see, oh, this guy's sexual. He's flirty, right? So I'm aware of that versus like what if I was like a bad pervert and I was like secretly thinking all these things right. but not letting you know it Ooh, yeah. by not being overtly – by not acting it out in my personality, that would make me a bad pervert, right? Because now sure. I have an agenda. I have like a secret like hidden thing that's creepy and gross. I'm very sexual, but I'm very open about it. Okay. And so this question bothers me not at all <laughs> because Great. I love talking about I talk about this shit with my family at Thanksgiving. So gotcha. it's, I love it. Um, so the sexiest movie that I've ever seen is a German film. It's technically a porn film, I believe, but I, okay. I wouldn't call it that because the production value is so amazing. It's called Katharina und er Walten Angst. Okay. Right? Katharina and the queen of sex or something maybe or the Catherine the queen of it's basically like a female Caligula okay so it's a German film that's a period film so it's like beautiful costumes takes place in a castle you know it's all this stuff but it's basically like a a queen who's like a a nympho okay (laughs) and because she has unlimited power she's able to like fulfill all her sexual fantasies in sort of any way she chooses 
with a whole kingdom's resources at her disposal. So it's a pretty fucking sexy movie. Sure. And there's sex in it. There's a lot of like technically porn probably. But the thing is, I don't watch porn as a as a as a cinephile. Like I hate porn. I can't I right. can't come to porn because it's too fake. It's too weird it's just i don't know yeah uh, but i can put on like a sexy like mainstream uh with like explicit sex something i can get into the story or something be like ooh, because like when i see a film it's so easy for me to suspend disbelief when i see the film versus like a porn you know they shoot on video or they shoot it in some way there's no so it's like watching bertolucci's the dreamers versus exactly. watching like milf uh, just a pound 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 yeah milf stepmom no, exactly yeah because what if son yeah because there's <laughs> yeah. there's because there's yeah, i get it there's other like um my mare it's yeah. about a stepmom it's a real stepmom right but it's not real obviously because it's a movie but because it's a real movie right it's, it's just a way for me to suspend the disbelief where it's if it's just porn yeah the production value is too low i don't care sure but show me my mare it's like oh that's a real stepmom yeah <laughs> right even right. though it's not a real like in my mind it tricks me um I love all those movies. I love any. And Say I the title again, just for uh, Katharina und er Wilden Ingst. Awesome. And so I and and I can spell it for you, whatever. But it's you, if you like that kind of stuff, it's it's great. And I love like um, Russ Myers movies. Do you remember oh Russ my Myers? God, yeah. They Absolutely. used to call like sexploitation. Oh yeah. Boob exploitation. They sometimes call them. I think nowadays, if those beyond movies the, that were was, uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yep. Like yeah. That, yeah. Beyond that the Valley of the Dolls. Generation. Up. Of, yes. Um, yeah. All those. Yeah. It's like seventies. Late sixties, I mean, seventies, um, somewhere in the there. Andy Warhol factory films, yep. uh, with like Joe D'Alessandro and stuff <laughs> like right. that. Yes, like that was like the first time I was like, is that is that that guy's dick? Dick, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, like she's giving was, him a blowjob on film. Yeah, that was so jarring. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I love that. It's the jarringness of it. Yeah, because when you turn on Pornhub, you expect to see what you're going to see. Of course. But you put on that Andy Warhol movie. You put on that Catherine yeah. Environment. Now it's like, ooh. I'm kind of seeing something I'm not supposed to be seeing, you right. know, and it's just way more sexy. Absolutely. Yeah. Whew, I'm really excited about this next question. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to water this next one down. No. The question the eighth I call the uncomfortable boner. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a girl on. Uncomfortable boner. Um, what movie do you find uncomfortably sexy? Turns you on, but eh, probably shouldn't have. Well, obviously, there's no movie that can sexually make me uncomfortable. I mean, I'm not, sure. I could literally watch. You're not that guy. No. And I, you know, my parents were real weird. And I, I think that I think Caligula. Yeah. Because it's a Malcolm McDowell and, um, and, and Helen Marin are like brother and sister, but they end up fucking. Um, right. So when you're watching that and it's like, Helen Marin's hot in that movie. And Helen Marin is, and if, if she just was hot. just fucking Malcolm McDowell, it wouldn't be a big deal. But it's Malcolm McDowell and his and Caligula's girlfriend yes. fucking Helen Mirren. Yes. So it's a threesome with Helen Mirren. So, right. So, yeah, if it's like brother and sister, that's gross. I'm not into any of that at all. But there's something about like the fact that Her- Helen Mirren would be so horny that she'd fuck her own brother with it. Yeah. Like that just turned like I'm like, I don't think I should be. <laughs> I don't think I should be liking this, but I kind of do because it a, technically is incest in the most classic like Roman definition of the word incest. Hundred percent. You can't get any more not incest, but Who for some reason how, it fucking turned me on. Maybe that wasn't so uncommon. I think it's the Helen Mirren factor. I think it's the fact that yeah, if it was if it wasn't her as the actress in there. It might not have the same effect, Bobby, because I think yeah. there's something about a girl who's a freak in the sh- sheets and a lady in the streets, right? Like, it's Helen Mirren. It's Helen Mirren. This is Dame Helen Mirren. Yes. And even though her scene doesn't have any explicit nope. sex, they do cut away. They do. 
in the in the film to to the to the actual porn stars who and were that having was, sex. And that was what was the producer of Penthouse? Uh, yep. Basically, Penthouse brought in their own actors to play yeah. the sexual parts where they'd actually do penetration. Correct. Whereas Michael McDowell and, and Helen Mirren and those guys didn't really know that was going on during production. There's a whole documentary about this. There is, and it's actually fucking fascinating. It's it was, amazing. Uh, Robert uh, Guccione. Yeah. Yeah. And he basically hoodwinked <laughs> a lot of really amazing actors yes. into being in a triple X porn. And, and being in a, in a porn. Yeah. Helen Mirren, Malcolm McDowell, some amazing like 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 Royal Shakespeare Company actors <laughs> in a fucking porn film. I mean, that it, being said, Malcolm McDowell definitely knew that he was fisting that guy in that one. Oh, 100 percent. And he knew. I mean? And I think but I think as but the, you're talking about the, the actual scenes of penetration. Yeah. And, and the fact yeah. that if you're Malcolm McDowell and you're they say, hey, you're going to play Caligula, you know, kind of what to expect. Right. Yeah. There sure. might be some fisting There's or whatever. Be some stuff. But you don't know what they're cutting away to in the edit. And what they're essentially cutting away to is like porn stars getting fucked in an orgy in a brothel yes in a thing that Caligula owns but you'll never see those stars in the shot with They're the penetration never in those scenes but uh, yeah as a 21 year old guy who was getting into film and uh, oh yeah me too and i was I mean, getting into fellini and i was getting into 100 like, just like really going down and i thought oh caligula and i'm like oh my god my dick is so hard watching this yeah, but then <laughs> and i'm it, like, like well now i'm gonna change this over and make this into my spank bank material and then it immediately goes into a scene where like these guys heads are getting chopped off and yes. it's like, oh shit now yeah, i'm <laughs> my boner is going down but it's still halfway there so now i have confused feelings <sighs> If it's you can weird. finish. It's a crazy movie, dude. It is a really crazy. That's actually a really good answer. You're um, doing so well. Uh, it's going to take a long time, but we're going to get through this. and they're gonna be No, we're answers. doing fine. I don't really care about the time. Okay, good. Hopefully uh, the audience doesn't care either. All, all three of them. I don't. Ten yeah, of them. All tens of my listeners. Question the ninth, Wesley. Mm-hmm. And you're a comedian. You're a funny man. I've seen you on stage. Oh, thanks. What film makes you laugh the most? And this is not the what do you think is the best comedy of yeah, all yeah. time? Yeah. What film makes me laugh the most? Yeah. God, it's so that's such a hard it's one. It's a tough one. Um, okay, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Three Amigos, I think, because oh, fuck. because I can I can watch that movie right now, Bobby, and, and get probably thirty minutes of laughing out of it. It's and, Came out a long time. Ago. It came out in nineteen eighty nine, and it's still funny. I've seen that movie so many, many times. Me too. And like, let's be honest. Like, Steve Martin and Martin Short are national treasures. Yes. Chevy Chase is what he is, but in that movie, he's a gold. Very and, funny. And um and you know, Randy Newman and Lorne Michaels and 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 Steve Martin wrote that script, which is to me one of the best comedy scripts ever written. And so you know? bizarre. Well, it's bizarre, but. If you if you teach it in college courses, like that shit makes sense. Like yes. the singing bush or the uh, invisible swordsman, like all that shit makes sense because it's an odyssey story, right? They're on a journey, so you need your you need your you need your like uh, um, cyclops, and you need those kind of characters on that odyssey yeah. story. It's brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant. The music, Randy Newman's music in there is just so great. And the funny thing about that film, I think it's brilliant. I mm-hmm. think the screenplay is perfect. Mm-hmm. It's fucking hysterical. However, mm-hmm. had they not cast that movie so well, yeah. it would have been Nacho Libre. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yep. It just would have been a bunch of uncomfortable 100%. silences. <laughs> 100%. But those three motherfuckers were so yeah. funny in every moment of that. I mean, the, the delivery, you brought up the singing bush. Yeah, yeah. The moment when they, he's like, you know what, guys? My guess is this is the singing <laughs> bush. Yeah. <laughs> 
That is such an amazing delivery. It's amazing. <laughs> it's the, the, so perfect. Whenever they, whenever they're drinking in their canteens and they they run out of water, and he and <laughs> Chevy Chase just gets a full thing of water. He's got lip balm. Lip balm. <laughs> I mean, it's a really funny movie. The visual gags. I mean, Martin Short has um, jokes throughout it that are still funny today, like the yep. mail plane. You know, didn't you see his little ball? Like, didn't you see his little balls? Funny little, and then my little buttercup dance number. I mean, it's fucking genius. It's amazing. My little buttercup. Yeah, uh, just the fact they call that guy El Wapo. <laughs> fucking hilarious. Just like handsome, I think. Yeah, it's <laughs> handsome. The handsome. <laughs> the handsome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pletra. Uh, yeah. Pletra. I know we can't. Yeah, we can't go down this K hole. But it's yeah, we would definitely dive in. I could, I might watch that movie tonight. Jesus Christ, it's so good. Fucking love Three Amigos. There's a lot of movies that make me laugh, but if I, if I was like, yeah, if I was gonna like, yeah, have you gone down the uh, only murders in the building rabbit hole as well? Yeah, I started that, and um, I haven't, I haven't binged all of it, but I've gone through like a season, season and a half, and that's one of those that I kind of like. It kind of got to be in the mood for it. Yeah, it has its own, its own voice. Vibe, yeah, yeah. There's the the last episode I think of the first season. Steve Martin becomes old school Steve Martin yeah. and does like 20 minutes of some of his best fucking physical comedy. Agreed. Which is just such a callback to just watching him make that stupid grin face and. I don't know. Yeah. It, it just it, it. Same with Martin Short for me. Like seeing yes. their, them together and their dynamic Ugh. and him his his. You can't see me on the podcast, but it's his little like m- moves, his little like reactions, uh, yes. where he's not saying anything. He's just like kind of surprised by a line, and he'll, you can see his shutter, his shoulders kind of shudder, and he kind of like he kind of like stands back and looks at the person like. What did you just, you know, his reaction is just so amazing. Yeah. Classic just like Steve Martin. Sort of slightly effete and slight, yes. yeah, I don't know. It's, yes. Always like that. Always in a position of like fight or flight almost or yeah, something. Ex- yes, exactly. <laughs> so great. Oh, fucking love. That's a, so far we're doing so well. I'm going to go to heaven. I don't even believe in God, but I'm still going to get in this Nor do, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask you, is this like Judeo-Christian heaven that I'm trying to get into? Because I'm so, not sure I want to go. Here's the thing with heaven on this. Um, uh-huh it's not what we think it is. Uh-huh. Obviously, we do movie nights. <laughs> okay. I um, I didn't write these questions. Well, because what movie I bring to the movie night is going to be determined by what kind of heaven it is. Because I need to know, am I in here with like... No, I think it's a fun heaven. I think okay. everyone can hang out. We're okay. probably going to have a couple of Manhattans. We're going to okay. sit down, watch a movie. It's going to be the best people there, obviously. Okay, gotcha. All right, gotcha. And they want to see good movies. Okay. That's really that's, it. That's Then I'm, I'm down. Yeah, I'm you in. don't have to impress anyone. Okay, no, it's not so much that. It's that <laughs> I don't want to be in a heaven where they exclude certain people. Oh, no, no. And then I get no. to be in just because I like movies. No, no, no. You know? No. So, yeah, if it's not a heaven with um, with cool people. I'm Only Persians. <laughs> just I'm kidding. Persians are going to be there too. <laughs> I love it. Just the best Persians. No, I don't even. Do people even call themselves Persians? I, they're, I don't, Arad- I don't, they're Iranian. I don't. I'm not sure. I think what modern they, day Persia is now. It's, it's Arabia. Iran. It's I'm not Iran. Sure. It's Iraq and Iran, but I'm not sure what they call Middle East. Middle either. Eastern. Well, yeah, um, Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern. I don't, I don't like know if that. anyone identifies as Persian anymore. And That'd I don't be think fucking cool though. If they did. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. <laughs> okay what's the next question question the 10th what film can you watch over and over I, this is the remote dropper question 
No matter what, you're going to watch it. When I read that question, my first thought was like any Coen Brothers movie, okay. except for Burn After Reading. <laughs> like I like that movie, That's but fair. I can't watch it over and yeah. over. But as a writer, I love dialogue. I love dialogue. I love Tarantino movies because of their dialogue. So okay. probably any Tarantino movie too. But just really like any – when you watch a movie over and over again, it's not the – visual gags that you appreciate it's not the no. it's not the action or the explosions or the whatever it's literally the dialogue that you're that you're connecting with every time so that's why people can watch big lebowski a hundred thousand times because yeah. that dialogue is just so amazing and so well executed by the actors that when you when you watch it on uh, extend you know uh, repeat viewings you're actually getting more <laughs> because it's so layered and deep well written that yeah. you're actually like able to mine that uh, a little you know you have a little more time to mine it and get down into the okay. pay dirt so we're gonna have to pick one okay i'm gonna go with we're gonna um, have to do it i'm gonna go with pulp fiction okay because i just don't get sick of it i'm pretty sure i've seen it 200 times probably you know so what I mean? yeah probably 200 times yeah. and it's not something i like i'm obsessed with or anything it's not like my favorite movie of all time mm -hmm. but if you I were agree. just like hey man you're gonna be forced by by torturers, they're going to lock you in this room and they're going to make you watch one movie okay. over and over again for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'd get sick of like most movies. I, I need something no, that's got layers. I there's no real answer to this question. No, and no, there's, there's no not. definitely no wrong answer. But to I think the question. right answer is is the movie that has the most depth because you're going to watch it over and over, right? So it's every time you watch, you get a little deeper. So how deep can you go? Like That's if someone was going to say, Bobby, what is the one Coen Brothers movie that you would watch over and over and over again? Mm -hmm. But like Raising Arizona. Um, That's my answer. <laughs> That's a fucking amazing movie. No, Raising Arizona is the right answer. If anyone comes on this podcast and says, That's the movie that makes me laugh the most, I'll be like, That's yeah, the right same. answer. No, uh, um, that is one of the funniest her, fucking things of all time. Is it Holly Hunter? Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Like her performance in that is. So amazing. Transcendent. I feel like she should get an Academy Award like like later on for that. Oh, yeah. Like they should go back and like retroactively give her. Like when she says, um, when they Whenever kidnap the baby. Whenever she does pass and they do like the in memoriam and Holly oh, Hunter yeah, yeah, is on yeah. screen. Yeah. It should be her marching down the street as Ed from Raising Arizona in her police uniform. That's yeah. the picture they should use. She's phenomenal. She, phenomenal. Whenever they first kidnapped Francis the baby. McDormand. Francis McDormand. Phenomenal in that movie. Nicolas Cage is the best he's ever, ever been, been as far as I'm concerned. Me too. Me too. He doesn't he's get any better in that movie. Terrible. Whenever they kidnapped that baby in the first first kidnap, and <sighs> they got him in the car, and she just looks at him and says, and she's holding the baby. She says, I just love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> she's crying. I fucking love it. Oh, fuck. I had such a crush on Holly Hunter. Like, I don't know what it was. Like, I still acting, do. I do too. Love her. Her accent, her acting, her, her big brown eye. Like, I don't know what it is, but. Fucking gorgeous, <laughs> she talented, really hilarious. She's probably, like, she's probably like 60. No, she is. Yeah. But I would still just i would i think she's crazy same yeah. and sally field too by the way she's probably like 80 oh yeah sally i would still field. give her a good i don't know how she's holding up <laughs> it doesn't matter but man when she my was in smoking the bandit my first crush was oh smoking oh. mine was um the flying nun like, oh yeah because that was on syndication when i was a yeah, kid I no mean, shit i remember seeing that like nick at night and shit well yeah it was even before that wow um all right we're doing good we are doing good question the 11th what film means the most to you, not because of its quality, although it might be a great movie, but just because of a memory that you associated to it? Yeah. You're probably going to hate this, but you might not. And this is something I had to really struggle with because at some point in my life, I decided I'm going to stop caring what people think about my opinions. Okay. And I'm just going to like the shit I like, 
And if somebody like happens to see my Spotify playlist, I'm not going to be embarrassed about it. I'm going to be like, yes, I do listen to show tunes or I do like that Whitney Houston song or whatever, you know, like, fuck you. Like, I like what I like. Right. So part of my whole like struggle with validation and my counseling and therapy is like to get okay with who I am and learn what do I like and, and love myself essentially. Right. Yeah. That's the whole goal. <laughs> so, so in order to love myself, I have to know myself and getting to know myself has been a real fun journey. Um, part of getting to know myself is cutting myself some slack and allowing myself to just enjoy things that aren't that good. Okay. My son and I went to see the first Iron Man movie when he was like 10 years old, sure. nine, nine years old. Okay. And I only took him to see it because I thought he would like it. It's a superhero movie. I, I'm going to like it because Robert Downey Jr. is in it. I saw the trailer and I thought, that's kind of cool looking. But I'm not thinking it's going to be a good movie or anything, right? But we go, we enjoy it, we leave the theater. He just can't stop talking about it. And then, and he knows it's not a great movie. Even at nine years old, he knows it's not going to win any Oscars or anything. But he's, but he's like, he thought, that's really well done, like yeah. as a superhero movie, right? For the next 10 years, Bobby, for the next 10 years, he and I, shared this MCU and I fucking hate it. I hate the MCU. I don't give a fuck about any Marvel shit. You can burn it all down if you want. I don't care, but I'm glad they exist because it gave me hours and hours and hours with my son yeah. in a theater, driving home with him afterward, hearing him critique it, hearing him tell, tell I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's I don't amazing. like those movies. They're fucking terrible, <laughs> but it's time with your kids. And I remember, um, Scorsese called them a theme park ride. He said they're not really movies. Mm -hmm. They're more like a theme. He's absolutely right. It's not cinema, but it is. You're going to the movies. You got popcorn. You got. And then when we leave, he goes, God, he goes, that's it's so shitty how they introduce that character or like, do they expect us to believe you? Like he's right. critiquing it. Right. And I just love it. I just, you know, we do that with most movies, but it's that MCU it built up that. OK, well, here's another Marvel movie coming out. So we're going to go see it. And yeah. And it was just kind of a tradition and thing. And now yeah, he's he's literally answer. he's going to turn 19 next month. And yeah, like Robert Downey Jr. just finished, like in his 18th birthday, like he finished his time at, in the yeah, MCU. Right. And it totally corresponded with my son's childhood in a weird way. That's amazing. We watched the first Iron Man when he was nine. Yeah. And we watched the last Avengers when he was 18. Right. It's crazy. So I love cool. that answer. Okay, cool. I mean, as wrong as you are. <laughs> I know, right? About the MCU. <laughs> I know. I know. It's they're terrible. But it was like yeah. going to it was like going to a theme park with my kid every month, you know? Right. And spending time with them. And it's the only thing Scorsese's ever done wrong, except for <laughs> Silence, because that was a horrible fucking movie. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm not a huge Scorsese guy. I'm kind of like one of those anti-Scorsese people. I think he's I'm overrated. A, I think I'm an old school Scorsese guy. I love old school Scorsese. I just think as a director in general, he's overrated. I think I, mean, I think people like Rob Reiner should be the Scorsese. I think Rob Reiner is the greatest director of all time. That is actually, <laughs> I think I've said this on this podcast. I actually heard you refer to it a little bit or allude to it. I don't think Rob Reiner is the same filmmaker Scorsese is. I think Rob Reiner is by far the most underrated filmmaker if yep. you go through that man's fucking catalog, find me a stinker anywhere. And not only that. And classics. Classics. Just so perfect. Not only classics, movies. You can even take it up a notch and say he invented some genres. He invented the mockumentary. He invented the mockumentary. He invented the romantic comedy. Can Princess we say, Bride. When Harry met Sally. Harry met Sally. Uh, I mean, dude. He, he, he did Stand By Me, right? Stand By Me? Yes. He did Stand By Me. He did A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men. 
Rob Reiner. Yeah, Dude, the guy is such a G. He's a G. And nobody ever mentions him in that no. pantheon of filmmakers, you know, the great American filmmakers, but holy shit. He's right there with Scorsese and all those What guys. has he ever done that was not no. good? It's the fact that he Much doesn't Much less do... they're mostly amazing. They're amazing, but they're not important, and they're not Oscar movies, and they're not... His movies don't have the heft. That's right. You know what I mean? Which, thank God, they don't, because I wouldn't want to see right. that. Like, Spinal Tap is the easiest, probably the most laugh-dense... I almost, fucking movie. I almost that, said Spinal Tap instead of Three Of course Migos, you did. But because that movie makes you laugh. Yeah, all the constantly. constantly. And uh, it's going to get mentioned on your podcast a million times. So I didn't. Uh, I'm going to leave it alone. But yeah, Spinal Tap. And did you hear they might be making another one of those? I don't want that to ever I don't happen. Either. I don't either. But I think Christopher Guest is going to do it. I know. And Christopher Guest took on that mantle yeah. with some amazing movies. I think Waiting for Guffman. Why do you think he did that and not Rob Reiner? Why don't why don't why do you think Rob Reiner didn't get into that in bed with Christopher Guest on that stuff? I think Rob Reiner's the kind of guy that was just like, I've done that. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I want to do what was Rob Reiner's last thing? Do you remember? Oh, his last film that he directed? Or God, like I couldn't honestly tell you. Because that's the thing. I feel like he's kind of fallen off a little bit. I just think he's... Retired. Retired, <laughs> yeah, basically. Totally. Yeah. You he's know got nothing I mean? left to prove. And dude, the guy had 20 years of yeah. just being a baller. And pretty much like a great movie every year for 20 years. Yeah, he really did. Like he was... Yeah. No, he is. I mean, I okay. could... I could oh, on. and that... Um, and go that on Princess, and on. Real quick, though. I want to mention that Princess yeah. Bride pandemic remake that he did oh yeah with his dad carl so when he said at the end and his dad play, so they did a re they did a reading of this with celebrities for people who don't know like um re-reading the princess bride on zoom yeah and um kind of reenacting some of the scenes and they allowed the actors to sort of like set up the scenes on their own in their own house and so carl reiner plays the the granddad plays uh peter fox peter fox character yeah. yeah and then so it's just so hard because he dies very soon after that oh i know and so it's yeah. a very a very touching thing if you want to uh, youtube the um yeah the prince's bride carl reiner rob reiner re reboot well i love the carl reiner shout out i mean yeah one of a pivotal members of the comedy community oh i mean jesus christ dude two thousand year old man alone <laughs> With fucking yes. Mel Brooks, are you shitting me? Like, what? I, I really, I really wish I had been Jewish, and I wish I had grown up in New York, you and, know and what been mean? a part of that whole, or just, or just been more open to that sensibility. Well, you know, yeah, I grew up in rural Texas, and we, we, we were brought up to hate anybody north of Oklahoma, so sure. like we weren't exposed to any of that stuff. And like my older brother, instead of introducing me to like progressive pop, he introduced me to like Metallica. Yeah, and so like I just didn't have like it. Yeah. For someone like me who's like looking a searcher, you know, looking for things, it was very hard. It was very, very hard. Yeah. So I always, always, you know, look back. Like, ah, I just wish I'd have grown up in a different kind, like yeah. a, a 180 degree opposite. Like, give me, make me a Jewish kid in New York who grew up like, you know. But you can find it anywhere. You're right. I grew up in New Mexico, and I'm like, I grew. My brother introduced me to like the B-52s and the Pixies and See? fucking Husker Du. Jealous of that. And, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's. It's it's all just yeah, you get relative. lucky, <laughs> yeah. You know, I guarantee Mel Brooks got lucky. Yeah, he met Anne Bancroft for fuck's sake. Like he, that guy was leading a blessed life. <laughs> but that's what I mean, though. I my circum, I was born into circumstances that weren't. Which, by the way, I was born. It just reminded me of the greatest first line of any movie ever is the uh, Steve Martin and the Jerk. 
He says, I was born a poor black child. I mean, come on. I was born a poor black child. You can't get a better opening line of a movie. That is a pretty amazing There's a white guy line. saying that line. Yep. Uh, anyway. All right, I moving know. on. I don't no, want to bog us down. I feel bad because I'm like... No, you're doing fine. I could literally talk about each one of these questions for it's two hours. The second we're done with this question, which will be 30 minutes from now, <laughs> we will... <laughs> so true. So true. We're going to talk about your book and we're going to just do a whole bunch of other stuff. Question the 12th. This is the biggie. Should you be deemed worthy to ascend? You are allowed to bring one movie with you because that is the movie that you get to use to host your movie night. Mm. What film do you want to show the rest of the chosen people? Mel Brooks and Rob Reiner and Carl Reiner will be there. They're all there. That's great. They're all there. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to sound like a real asshole on this one, but I don't care. That's my yeah. MO. Bring it. I'm just going to go for it and swing for the fences. I'm going to bring my debut film. Okay. I'm going to show you my movie because one of these days I'm going to make a movie. Okay. All right. This is one of my bucket list goals. And I'm All not, right. I'm not, I'm not fucking around. I mean, it's not going to be, I'm not talking about doing a big $3 million affair. No, you're going to make a film. I'm going to make a short film. Okay. Right? I'm going to make a, I'm going to try to make a SAG short film and yep. union film. It's going to cost me 20 or $30,000, which sure. you and I are going to raise somehow. But I'm just kidding. This is, I'm already starting <laughs> fundraising. But, but I don't know. I mean, I've always wanted to make movies since I'm a little kid. That's all I want to do is make movies. Okay. And I don't have, I've never, you know, I've gotten close a few times. I've made some short films. Um, I made one little feature length film back in the day that was terrible. You know, it's like you just, it's one of those things like you grind at it, you grind at it, you write script, you raise money. I want to do it. It's my goal. And, um, if I'm ever able to make a movie, that'll be what I show in heaven. Even if it's not that good, I'll just be like, hey, I made this. You know? Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. my story. It tells a story. And that's all I want to do. It's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right. You can watch it and say like, okay, I understand what's going on here. Sure. There's a story to be told. I understand the story. It was compelling. Good. I like it. Um, people are going to be pissed. About my answer? Uh, yeah. They're going to be, not you, not not listeners. Oh. The people in heaven. In heaven. Because they're going to they be like, know. really, dude? Oh, we got to see a debut movie? movie. Oh, that's a good point. Here's you got, what I'll you do. You brought your own movie. Here's what I'll do, Bobby. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. And I, and I preface this by saying it's an asshole answer. Here's what I'll do to make it less I'm okay with asshole. the asshole answer. Well, I know, but, and I'm okay with being an asshole, but I just I want to make it a little nicer for folks. So here's what I'll do. I will I will debut my short film as a, as a pre, uh, like they used to do, like a feature and a short back in the old days. And wow. so what I'm going to do is I'm going to yeah. show my short film as a as a tr as a preview before we show the feature film, and the feature film will be Caligula. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, or something like that. If it's heaven and like seriously, like, let's let's watch some people fuck. <laughs> what? Yeah. You know. I mean, because I mean, uh, I'm assuming this is the type of heaven where sexuality is open and accepted. Everybody still wants to get off a little bit, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah. and then also because I don't believe in God, I, I really want to try to fuck some shit up up there. So <laughs> let's let's do. In fact, you know, let's watch Katharina Unwild and Ingste. Unwild. Un, Unwild and Yes, we'll put that on there. Um, yes, yes. I'm turning into Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Mm. Um, but no, You're Goldblooming. I'm Goldblooming. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, I think I would I would watch something very sexual in heaven, and I would show my short film before it. I'm okay with that, okay. actually. Thanks. Yeah, fuck them. And the rest of your answers have been perfect. Okay, good. So I didn't ruin it on the last one. No, I mean, man. But it I got pretty close. I literally wrote three answers. I wrote my debut film, or Prince's Bride, or Caligula. <laughs> That's what I'm going to show in heaven. 
So here's the thing about Princess Bride. Taking that to heaven, I mean, obviously you're going to be popular because everybody wants to watch Princess Bride. Yeah. But also. Everybody brought it. Everybody's bringing fucking Princess Bride. Everybody brought that. Here's the difference. You have three guys with, I brought Princess Bride. I understand, Bobby. I brought Goodfellas. I understand. I brought Princess Bride. I understand, Bobby. (laughs) And that's why I didn't make that my first answer. But now that you've brought it up, here's here's my case. None of those other guys bringing the Princess Bride are named Wesley. My name is Wesley. As you wish. I can, I can, this is my movie. Touche. Okay. And even Touché. though he spells it with a fucking T in his name for some West. Yeah, that's weird. So weird. Westly. It's like the English version of it. Wesley. Yeah. And people ask me that. They, when I say my name's Wes, they put West. And so I started. Really? Yeah. So I started introducing myself as Wesley because I don't want to get my coffee back from Durango Joe's and it says West. It's that's like amazing. the direction. Well, my friend, I think you've been found worthy. Hey, good. Thanks, man. I want to talk about your book. I want to talk about what's going on with you. Um, if you have anything, you just want to plug it. Plug I do. Away. I want to plug it. Um, I've got a, a, a book that I'm trying to sell during the holidays because it's a great gift idea. It's called The Cabin, and it's a collection of short stories that I wrote. And uh, it's a, been selling great on Amazon. I, it came out last year. No, it actually came out two years ago and did really well. The first it hit the bestseller list on Amazon and like kind of like blew up in the short fiction category. And so, yeah, every holidays um, I try to like put the word out because it's a good little gift. It's super affordable. I think it's like seven or eight bucks yeah, on yeah. Amazon. And then so you can go to Amazon and just search my name, Wesley D. Stein, and there will be um, – I'll post all my link. books on there. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And then, yeah. and I have other books. Uh, that's, that's my favorite one to promote. Cause it's like real, um, holiday. It's real uplifting. It's just a bunch of short stories. It's really for people who don't like to read because they're ultra fast flash fiction stories. Yeah. Yeah. You can literally like sit on the toilet and have, get through one of these stories before you have your shit. So it's really nice. And they're all like uplifting, positive messaging. It's like there some of them are kind of scary and some of them are thrillers, but they all have kind of a yeah. nice positive message. And so uh, the cabin and other short stories on Amazon. And then while you're there, you can check out my other books. I've got a few novels and stuff that I've written, but I like to promote the cabin cause it's, um, it's a good gift and like it's no, affordable it. and um and my short stories it kind of gives you a good idea of what, what kind of a writer i am because all of those short stories were movie ideas they were all m- literally like movie concepts where i thought yep. i can't make this into a movie i don't know anyone in the in the industry sure. so i just wrote it in as a short uh, and then i actually published those on facebook for for a year Every Friday, I would put out a new story, and I call it like Fiction Friday or something. And then, based on the response, I basically called the best. Uh, I, I think I wrote fifty of them, and then I kind of like called the best like twenty or thirty of them, and right. made, a, made a book out of it. So, uh, do you have a website? Anything like that? Uh, no, it's just on Amazon, uh, okay. Wesley D. Stein, and then you can. Um, we should build you a website. Probably so, Bobby. Probably so. B- BVN. BVN, yeah. Um, uh, I do. I need a website to sell uh, autograph copies because when you go on Amazon, you can only buy the non-autograph copies. Um, Wesley D. Stein is also my handle on all the socials and then like on Snapchat and um, TikTok, I think it's like Wes Will Dance because I like to dance. I do dance videos. Um, And I think I'm going to become a stripper. I think that's my next move. I think I'm trying to find a... uh, I think I'm going to try to do dancing videos where I take my clothes off and try to get people to pay me on Patreon. Put it on... Twitch. I don't know. Oh, that's a good. Point. Oh, you can't do nudity on Twitch. Right, but you can do it on like um, yeah. Patreon or or um, yeah, yeah, OnlyFans or something. OnlyFans. Fans like. Okay, why not? So you guys find me on there. Uh, I'll promote your OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Um, 
uh, comedies, not there. All that shit's on my link tree, like on Instagram and stuff. So okay, Wesley cool. D. Stein, and you can find all that there, dude. This was awesome. I really love talking. I love talking movies. I'm glad I get to know you better. Like we, I think we we're gonna be roommates at one point, and you fucking backed out on that deal. Well, but I had to. Like I know you did. Yeah, but I'm glad whole, to get to know you more because that was the situation. Yeah. We've been kind of orbiting each other in this That's community right. for a long time. And we time. are contemporaries, like you said. And yeah. I always think like, like every time I see you, it's sort of like, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I, yeah. And it's sort of and like, we've both gone through like life upheavals yeah. in the last few years. And yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. I think the timing was always wrong for just to like That's chill right. out and That's right. yeah. drink an old fashioned or. Yeah. Or whatever. euphoria. Or euphoria. Yeah. This has been great, man. This yeah, is a great. great environment and it's a great um, podcast. It's a great um thing you're building here a vibe yeah i appreciate it yeah i, I like appreciate it. it i wish i would have come up with it no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i love it i love it and if there's anything i can do to help you like no thank you so know. much man and, um I'm a again big i really appreciate you coming on i need really really smart people one more time guys if you want to reach out give me some feedback 970-426-5344 whiskeyrealatgmail.com all the socials all that nonsense thanks again for listening this week wesley I appreciate you coming on. I hope you have a great death. 